Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com. This week, this past week, um, Justin and Riel got engaged. Congratulations. I said in the day in the sun, whether you joined us today in person or online, that we have a high efficacy rate of couples getting married. So that's you. Welcome. But um, will you sit uh, with me as we practice the rule of life? Just going to bow our heads before the Lord. I'm just going to give you a moment to center yourself. There are times in these routines, these habits that we cultivate in our lives, that we often miss and take for granted because a lot of times in the humdrum, in the mundane, in the grind, we think that it's something that we just have to get through. But if you look at Scripture and you look at how Jesus touched His world, it was in the mundane. And moments that changed history, moments that changed lives, happened right there. So let's exhale all the toxicities, all the automatic thoughts, the ruminating, harassing anxieties, the toxicities so that we don't look ahead of us, but we look what is in front of us for today. And inhale the presence of God. Take a moment. Let the transcending presence of God permeate this place. Because I need to drink water right there. From Sarah Young, April 3rd, from Jesus Calling. You can pick this up at the cafe. In me, you have everything. In me, you are complete. Your capacity to experience me is increasing through my removal of debris and clutter from your heart as your learning from me increases. Other desires gradually lessening since I am infinite and abundantly accessible to you. Desiring me above all else is the way, the best way to live. It is impossible for you to have a need that I cannot meet. After all, I created you and everything that is. The world is still at my beck and call, though it often appears otherwise. Do not be fooled by appearances. Things that are visible are brief and fleeting, while things that are invisible are everlasting. All God's people pray. Amen. So, this past weekend, 
or this past week precisely, my wife and I celebrated our 19th anniversary being married. Let's put this picture up as photo evidence of our wedding that I was thin at one point in my life. My wife always says that I ate myself during those almost 20 years. More like I gained about 50 pounds since then, but I'm happy and I wear it well. I've been trying to lose weight for about two decades. Sinuous. <laughs> um, but to tell you the truth, this moment is a blur. I didn't even eat at the wedding. My wife wouldn't let me. We had about 500 people attend our wedding, and it was a miracle that we fed them all. But I do remember when I first met my wife for the first time. It wasn't like the notebook, Nicholas Sparks. There wasn't any Sparks, maybe for my wife. But actually, it was more like the Victorian era, Pride and Prejudice, happening in 1998. It was a humdrum day. It was plain as plain, maybe beige. It's not lightning struck. We met, I, she met a, a friend of mine before, so I said hi to her whole family. The charismatic, thin person I was. But let me just say this. It was the most important day in my life because that's the moment my life changed. But I didn't know it. I wasn't aware. And the truth is, both, and, both my wife and I were not going to attend this college no one knew in our high school. A place we didn't know that existed, but 12 miles from New York City, a place, a town called Nyack, where Jeff grew up. Right there. He lives there now. We, we've got admissions to other schools that are way better known. But God, for some odd reason, prompted both of us to go to this obscure, no-name school to prepare for ministry. God would make it up to me later through the Ivy Leagues. But at this moment, it was obedience. How does... The, how does God's conspiracy, divine conspiracy, how does the sacred meet the mundane or the humdrum? Or how does, how does kairos, which is God's time, the divine, come through the mundane, the ordinary? It happens right there when you least expect it. Tell someone, keep your eyes open. You just might meet your spouse. Or you might have to meet your spouse again, right? To see them and be grateful for them. Amen? And the whole question during Lent is how do we increase the frequency when the sacred visits the humdrum? Because we live in the humdrum. We live in the mundane every day. And sometimes we do take them for granted. For granted, we get try to get through it. 
And in that emotion, we miss what God might be doing, what a conspiracy, a divine conspiracy that God might be orchestrating. All because, and this is the truth, we're chasing the sacred. We're chasing the notebook. And we're not present in the moment. We're not fully available for what God is doing in front of me. And that's what I want to talk about. How how did Jesus, in his life, develop a rhythm as a model for both the seeker and the Christian to live a meaningful, full, memorable life? Well, Jesus developed a rhythm to be fully present and to see the sacred visit, the humdrum, in his life frequently. And that's what I want for all of us. I mean, isn't that what you want? To experience the divine touch your life and other people's lives around you? Of course. How do we do that? And that's the question I want to answer today. Let's get my skinny stuff out of here. It's freaking me out. All right. So we come to this chapter in Luke 19 where Jesus meets Zacchaeus. I want you to pay attention closely to the passage because a lot of times we just miss the obvious. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, right? So it's just he was just passing through. A man was there by the name Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was because he obviously heard of him, but because he was short, he could not see through the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him. Jesus was coming that way. Now keep that picture in your mind. Now a lot of people read verse 5 prophetically. I read this prophetically my whole life until I read it about 30 times. And then I, I realized I missed the obvious. And verse 5 says, when Jesus reached the spot, I was like, oh, he knew. The Holy Spirit told him where the spot was. He looked up. It almost sounds romantic, fantasized, that it was like, you know, light came down from heaven. And the Holy Spirit said, Jesus, right here. He reached the spot, looked up and said to Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. But if you really thought about it, he might have known his name prophetically, but he didn't reach that spot prophetically, right? Because how big is a sycamore tree? What did a sycamore tree look like? Written by the passage and from the perspective of, look, well, this is the size of a sycamore tree right here. How big is that? So if someone was coming, even 100 feet from distance, and saw an odd man, little chubby man, short chubby man, climbing a tree, looking at you like this, I think while walking and passing through, you realize there's someone seeking you out, right? Like I could see Helen right here, and she's about five foot. I could barely see her. She's this small. That's a, a pretty good equivalent, Helen. But, I mean... But if you thought about it, really thought about it, Jesus 
saw what was in front of him, not what was ahead of him. He saw literally what was apparently, clearly, and obviously what was in front of him, a man climbing a tree to get a, to get a peek of who he was. He was faithful to what was in front of him. And for Zacchaeus, his obstacle as a seeker was to do the only thing he knew how to do. How do I see Jesus? I'm short and I can't see through the crowd. He saw a tree in front of him and he was faithful to the seeking he was doing. Both Jesus and Zacchaeus were faithful to the humdrum, mundane things in front of them. A lot of times, a lot of us miss divine, the divine and the sacred and the kairos moments that change everything about our lives because we're just looking ahead. We're not even seeing what's in front of us. We're just looking at what, what's ahead. When I get this, when I get this done, when I accomplish this, when I fall in love with that person or this person, when I have these kids, when in order for you to have those kids, you need to see this person somewhere. If we're constantly living in a fixated future, then God can't move through or in our lives because we're not available. Tell someone next to you, be faithful to now. One of the most powerful testimonies of people coming to Christ in the 21st century is Dr. Francis Collins. Dr. Francis Collins just retired from the director position from the NIH, the National, National Institute of Health, which is the most prestigious biomedical research center in the world, the center that developed the RNA technology to fight COVID-19 and developed the vaccine in record time. He was a geneticist at Yale and then became a physician afterwards. And he revolutionized the, I, the way we fight disease even, or even developed the vaccine with RNA technology because he was a geneticist. And He's also a Christian. And if you just took the Christianity out of Dr. Francis Collins, you would still think of him as a renowned. He's sort of like the Michael Jordan of science. Someone I look up to very much because he's a Christian, whom I also have met. But he wasn't a Christian always. And no one knew his influence would grow to faith in the U.S. and around the world. The question is, how did he, how did the divine and the sacred visit someone that was a complete, utter atheist? How did the divine conspiracy happen in his life? What was the drama in which and the, and the person or the witness God used to bring him to this point? Let me read you the testimony from his book, Language of God. 
I, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna we're gonna put this in the bookstore as well because I feel like it's so powerful. So after Yale, he figured he couldn't be a geneticist, which he infused with medicine eventually at Chapel Hill, North Carolina, UNC, Michael Jordan School, who beat Duke last night. Sorry, Coach K, your career has ended tra- tragically. I'm kidding. But um, he talks about in his third year in medical school when he was 26, how a patient struggling with chest pain, chronic chest pain, that he has been taking care of. They have been conversations. And this woman, her name is not in, the, in his book, probably because he doesn't remember her name. But she was the catalyst that led to a culmination and convergence of the conversion of the, probably the most, one of the most important scientists in the modern age. And this is what he says in his book. My most awkward moment came when an older woman suffering daily from severe, untreatable angina asked me what I believed. It was a fair question. We had discussed many other important issues of life and death, and she had shared her own strong Christian beliefs with me. I felt my face flush as I stammered out the words, I'm not really sure. Her obvious surprise brought into sharp relief a predicament that I had been running away for nearly all of my 26 years. I had never really seriously considered the evidence for and against belief. That moment haunted me for several days. Did I not consider myself a scientist? Does a a scientist draw conclusions without considering the data? Could there be more of important question in all human existence then is there a God? And yet there I find myself with a combination of willful blindness and something that could only be properly described as arrogance, having avoided any serious consideration that God might be a real possibility. Suddenly, all of my arguments seemed very thin, and I had the sensation that ice under my feet was cracking. How did the sacred visit the humdrum in Dr. Francis Collins' life, who is responsible for overseeing the vaccine that is protecting all of us from COVID-19 and its variants, specifically because he sequenced the entire human genome, human DNA, in all its glory. It was a woman, an older woman, who in her pain, who in her everyday struggle with chronic chest pain was faithful to what was in front of her. She wasn't C.S. Lewis, an Oxford scholar that made arguments about the existence of God and the reality of God. She wasn't a philosopher. She was just a woman suffering 
that was faithful to the witness of the gospel in her life to a young medical student. Because, and you know what? She doesn't probably even know that she was the main catalyst, maybe like Rosa Parks, right? The catalyst for someone that would influence millions of people for the cause of Christ. And a lot of times in our lives, that's how we see our ordinary humdrum life. Like it really doesn't matter. Oh, little old me and my doubts and my pain. And we're always fantasizing about what is ahead of us, a better future, and miss entirely what God can be doing to the people, to what is around us. So how do we increase the frequency on the sacred visits, the humdrum in our lives? First lesson we learn is what? From this passage, read it with me. When? Tell someone next to you the word again. What? No, no. Just say when again. Tell the person next to you when. Because when is about timing. It's not, the, it's not how. How do I do it? It's about timing. Because time passes through us. It's about discerning. It's, there's a rhythm to the spiritual discipline that Lent is supposed to be teaching us to pay attention because God is always moving. Jesus said to his disciples and the Pharisees in John 5, my father is always working. So if the father is working to heal this broken world of ours, and like Paul preached the other week, Christ only has one body, us. He's working through us, our arms, our eyes, our hearts. It's when we're faithful, not if we're faithful. Because if we're not faithful, then the divine cannot. That prism in which the glory of God emanates cannot shine. So when we're faithful to what is in front of us, the sacred visits the humdrum. Amen? So my question for you is, are you present? Are you available in this very moment for God and His light to shine through you? Or are you thinking about what is ahead constantly? Or what is behind you? Because that's all we have, the body of Christ here, present, at this very moment. I pray the Spirit of God would unveil in you the potential that you have to make a difference in this world. Who knows if you can influence the next Newton, next Francis Collins, by your faithful witness. Not by your amazing witness, just faithful witness. Our faithful witness. Amen? So that's the first thing, when we're faithful to what is in front of us. Let's move down. 
All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Of course, the church never likes it. When people from the club come drunk and high and from euphoria, all that scene going on there, the church doesn't like it. God reaches the world and reaches brokenness when we're available and faithful to what is in front of us. But a lot of times the church resists that change, and we see it in this text. But the miracle here is not what Jesus did. He was just faithful to what was in front of him. Zacchaeus was just faithful to his own inquiry to Jesus. So seekers, if it feels like you're trying to find a needle in a haystack when you're looking for God, those in person and watching online, to Jesus, it's as apparent as you climbing a sycamore tree. Tell the someone next to you, he sees you. Whoa! Did you get that? That's right. That's when the sacred visited the hump. That's a powerful statement. Write that down. That's perfect. I didn't even, I even think of that on today. But anyway, <laughs> but the whole point is Jesus sees you. You're not alone. And you're struggling and you're just trying to get a glimpse. And Jesus sees it. And Jesus will not be satisfied. God's not satisfied with you just seeing a glimpse of his back or from a distance. He is going toward you. So you're faithful to what you're seeking. Jesus is faithful to his redeeming, to his saving. But then the real miracle is the change that happens inside of Zacchaeus in a matter of seconds. They're not even at his house. And a miracle is taking place. Salvation, regeneration theologically, is taking place. Even sanctification is taking place. Now that he's giving half of his money to the poor, he's going to make up anyone he cheated four times the amount, which is the Levitical law for cheating. Zacchaeus. Something is happening in Zacchaeus that has miraculously, miraculously changed his heart toward humanity toward God, while they're standing there just because Jesus saw him. But Jesus didn't do anything. Jesus didn't heal him. Jesus didn't heal his mother. It wasn't a resurrection. He didn't turn water into wine. It was just mundane, everyday hospitality. The miracle was community. He offered Zacchaeus community, the powerful of the ordinary. That changed Zacchaeus, changed everything about his life. And that's sometimes something we miss about the ordinary. Miracles have to happen in the ordinary. You might not see it, but it's happening in someone's heart. For example, because I've been picking on the whole baptism class, I picked on and roasted tuna last week. Pseudonym for Christina, but I mean, today's John. The river explorer extraordinaire. There's nothing miraculous about John's story 
finding a community. He sought the community himself. We're number three on Google search. It's funny because he works for Google now, but Google helped him find our community. Nothing extraordinary, we're a normal church. And he was living just a humdrum service. It wasn't like, whoa, amazing. I guess another church. Until someone, he said, what changed miraculously about why this is the community? His prayer was what? Someone invited him to lunch. That was like, whoa, yeah, this church for me. Wait, what? Rewind. Rewind that. So, so when I was hearing the testimony, there were a lot of, you know, the river extraordinary thing was funny. The community thing was funny, but why he decided to stay was like, huh? Lunch? Yeah, because lunch for him was hospitality. Lunch meant I really care about you. Lunch meant you matter. I don't want this to be a transactional passing of two bodies, but I want to know you. I care about you. There was a miracle that took place in the inside, and that's what John needed. That's his testimony. Miracles happen in the humdrum. When the boy who came to Jesus with the five loaves of bread and two fish, it was really two anchovies, that started the greatest barbecue in history, it was the humdrum. It was the ordinary. It was just lunch his mom packed him. The miracle was a little boy giving up his lunch because Josh would never give that up. My, my youngest would never give up his food. He only shares food when he wants more of it. I think we do have a prejudice, a bias toward the ordinary. We're always seeking the extraordinary. But God lives and moves in the humdrum, mundane part of our lives. And that's where the miracles must happen, because we live in that moment. We occupy the space of the ordinary. But it changed everything. Tell someone next to you, be faithful. And the second point, if we want to increase the frequency of the sacred visiting the humdrum, the second lesson we learn from the story of Zacchaeus is that we have to what? Be, that's a different sermon, okay. We have to be mindful of what God can do through the ordinary. Tell someone next to you, be mindful. Not just faithful, but be mindful. Be mindful. The most important thing, the most empirical, important experience in my life was the extraordinary, sacred, exponential change that happened in my life through a friendship with my wife. It wasn't a romantic friendship. That does happen. It was a completely platonic friendship, we're not looking ahead, not looking behind, not the possibilities, it was just 
a friendship. God gave us the gift of the ordinary, which was friendship. And I remember, and she was actually mean to me. She was skeptical about me. I don't know why you think I'm sketchy in any way. But I told her, I mean, she, she thought I cheated on my test when I got A's. When I gave her my first gift, a diamond necklace, which I financed, only 36 months, she thought that it was fake. I mean, all these things. But, and when I told her that I became a youth pastor in Staten Island, and I knew that she was from Staten Island, in the place we dwell now, unfortunately, I'm kidding, um, for 20, over 20 years, but I told her at 18 I became a youth pastor in Staten Island where her father did ministry, and that because they gave me a car that I could drive her. And this is what she said to me, yeah, right, stop lying. <laughs> so naive, right? She didn't know who I was. But she's like, yeah, right, you can't be a youth pastor at 18. I said, well, you never met me before. She goes, I will give you a ride. I, and, my, and at that point, I was like, you know what, I'm not going to give you a ride. Because I knew she had to get to her dad's church because she was serving in her dad's ministry, playing the piano. She was instrumental to that ministry. But it wasn't because I liked her. I didn't have any other kind of motives. So I'm like, yo, you know, I'm going to rap to this girl in the car. And it wasn't like that. None of that, none of that. It was just, I was faithful to what was in front of me and mindful of what this just as a form of value could do for her and her family. It wasn't me trying to be a good guy, even though I was. Right? Because there's no other incentive. I mean, sometimes if I had to go somewhere, I'm like, yo, take the bus. She would get mad at me after two years. You're not going to drive me home? I'm like, no. Take the bus. It was no codependency. And she was like, I can't believe you. And, she, and I dropped her off the bus without even saying bye. <laughs> no codependent. But through those rides, in the humdrum, in the grind of everyday life, a miracle took place without even us noticing, which was we developed and cultivated a friendship that led to everything that we have today. That's because we were faithful to what was in front of us. It wasn't love at first sight. It was gradual. But it led to the greatest gift God could have given to the both of us. But we had to first obey and go to the school in which we met. And we had to be faithful to what God was doing, what was in front of us. Not chasing what we wanted in life or we thought we needed. And that's how we saw Kairos invade Kronos. Right? Kairos is God's time, Kronos is our time. Ask someone next to you, don't you want that? 
When I say to them, don't you want that? I say, don't, isn't that what you want? Yes. Stop being so dense. That's what you want. You want to increase the frequency of the sacred visiting the humdrum in your life and to your family and to your friends and to the world because Jesus said, my father is always working. And he wants to use you and me in us and through us. Let's all stand and pray together. Will you lift your hands with me to the Lord? I want you to look at your hands. Your hands, it's not Steph Curry's hands. It's definitely not LeBron's hands. It's just regular hands. That's what you got. That's what God gave you. Okay? Unless you're Andy and who could literally sew really well, you just have normal hands. These are the hands that God can use to bring a divine conspiracy into this world. You don't have to do anything special with it because it's not special. You just got to be faithful to it, to what is in front of you. Being mindful that it just might perform miracles without you even noticing it. Entertaining angels. Because of your steadfastness to the Spirit of God moving in you and through you. So let's make this our prayer.
So Father, we come before you this afternoon. We thank you that if we're faithful, you can do all things to Christ who gives us strength. We thank you for the seeker that when he or she is faithful to pursuing you and pursuing genuine inquiry, they are not doing it alone. You see them as a parent that's climbing a sycamore tree and walking towards them. We're never alone in our spiritual journey. And that's why it's so important, not only for the seeker, but for the believer to be able to see the obvious. To not miss that sycamore tree. Because God wants to use your hands, your heart, your voice, and your life to do a miracle in the humdrum, ordinary day for those who need Him, for those seeking Him. You are His feet, you are His hands, you are His body. Tell the Lord right now, Lord, I want to be faithful to what is in front of me so I may see the sacred visit, the humdrum in my life and in the world. Will you bow your heads for the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, it's good to see all of you guys here on this nice and snowy Sunday. For those of you guys that don't know me, my name is Stu Still. I'm a member here at 180 Church. We are a community joining God to restore the beauty in all things. And again, it's so good to see all of you guys here today. Before we get started, we just have uh, some community news that we want to share with everybody. We're going to start off with tithes and offering. And for all of our members here, we want to remind and encourage you to continue to keep God at the center of everything, including your finances. You can make an offering through any of the electronic means uh, above. And if you're a visitor here, you guys are our guests, you guys are our visitor, there's no financial obligation to be here. But if you feel led to make an offering, you're more than welcome to do so at any of the means above as well. Our next announcement is about the Bible Reading Group, which you can find on Instagram or Tumblr at 180BRG. And this is a great resource for us to get God's Word daily into our lives, whether we start the day with it, whether we power through the afternoon with it, or whether it's a refreshing, quieting moment before we go to sleep at night to just bask in God's Word and really see what His promises are for us. And again, this is a great resource to bring that into our lives. We post just a chapter of the Bible every day on these uh, um, outlets and uh, again you can find it on Instagram or Tumblr at 180BRG. 
Our next announcement is about the different ways that we can come together and pray. And as Dr. Sammy has been preaching uh, over the last few weeks, prayer is so important and vital to our lives. And it's important uh, not only for ourselves, but for those that we care about, for those that we're concerned about. And this is a great resource for those times when we want to pray for others and lift others up and that we don't want to do it alone, but we do it in community. Uh, at 5397 Prayer, you can send a text to our prayer team, or you can do it through email at prayer at 180church.tv. And again, this is a great resource for those times where either we're going through something in our lives or for those that we care about, our friends, our family, our coworkers, our loved ones, where we can lift them up, but not just lift them up alone, but lift them up with the community. And again, uh, it's 5397prayer or prayer at 180church.tv. And we also have our house of prayer, which we start at about 1140 every Sunday. And it's a great time to just quiet ourselves from all of the busyness, all the insanity, all the craziness of the week, and just ready ourselves to hear God's word. And we do that right here in the theater again at 1140. And uh, speaking of all the ways that we can pray and... Uh, do that we uh, have all of these different devotionals which we've been going into through this year uh, that you can find at the 180 cafe um, all of these are available for you guys and again dr. Sammy's been talking about the ways that we can pray and the ways that we can you know center our lives in Christ and these have been a great resource for a lot of people to just spend time every day just with a short moment of prayer of devotion to really connect with God. Uh, again, you can find all of these at the uh, 180 Cafe. Uh, it's on the honor system, so you can pick it up and then you can just Venmo us at Church 180 or at QuickPay at offering at 180church.tv. Next, we have all of the ways that we're connected on social media. Uh, we have a number of Instagram handles. We have uh, 180 Church, 180 BRG, as I mentioned before, and 180 Fellowship for our college ministry. We have our YouTube page at 180 Church NYC. Dr. Sammy has his Twitter page at uh, Dr. Sammy Kim. We have our Facebook page at 180 Church. And lastly, we have our Tumblr page again, 180BRG for the Bible Reading Group. And these are a great number of ways where we can come together online to keep up to date on everything that's going on in the church and to just come together and pray and do all these things together, again, in the context of community so that we're not doing life alone, but we're keeping together in community through all of these means. And on that note, um, we know that not everybody can make it here every single Sunday. So we do have our live stream available every Sunday uh, on our YouTube page at 180 Church NYC. And it starts every Sunday at about 10 after 12. And again, this is a great resource for if you can't make it here on a Sunday or if you're inviting a friend out and they're just a little bit nervous about showing up in person, this is a great way to bring church to them, to help them start their journey in Christ. So again, it's on our uh, YouTube page at 180 Church NYC. Next, we have all of our small groups, which are where we come together in the middle of the week to go deeper into Dr. Sammy's sermon, to see where we're going in life, to see where Christ is calling us in life. And again, I've said it so many times today, it feels like it's becoming a catchphrase, but it's where we do it in community, where we do it together, where we're friends along the journey in where Christ is bringing us. And it's also a great way, if you're beginning your journey in Christ, to talk to people about where they've started and how they've been progressing in their relationship with Christ. We have the adult groups, which meet every Wednesday at 7.30, the young adult groups, which meet on Thursdays at 7.30, and we have the 180 Fellowship College group, which meets on Mondays at 7.30. And many of these are meeting online and virtually, so if you're interested in joining, come see me or any of the greeters in the blue shirts and we'll get you connected. 
Next, we have a number of ways that we're looking for people to help us in uh, many of the ministries we have here at 180 Church. One of them is the children's ministry. And we have so many kids running around here now, it's starting to feel like we're getting a little outnumbered by them. <laughs> and we need some people to help us with starting their journey in Christ and uh, giving them a foundation for who God is. If you're interested in joining that, you can talk with Pastor Lydia or you can talk with Michelle Kim and they'll get you plugged in. Next, we have the 180 Cafe, which is a great time to just grab a cup of coffee or a cup of tea in the morning. And we are looking for people to help out with that as well. And this is just a great place for, you know, being that first point of contact with people as they come in. And if you're interested in joining that, you can talk to Danny O or Wendy Lee. Or if that's not uh, up your alley, we just have our greeters, which really are the first point of contact, the people that are the friendly faces to welcome people. And many of us are here because someone was friendly and said, welcome. You're welcome here. We want to know all about you and help you on your journey in Christ and all of that stuff. And uh, if you're interested in joining that, again, you can talk with Danny O or Wendy Lee. Those are all of our announcements today.